Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Ah, yes, the the haunting theme from the box of oddities, which, by the way, has been stuck in my head constantly now for about four days. <laughs> I go to sleep at night. Boom, 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 boom. I wake up in the morning. Boom, 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 boom. At least it's a song that you like, right? I suppose. Yeah. Not like some things. Like, uh, I have uh, commercials stuck in my head from when I was a kid. So it's... Commercials from when you were a kid? Yeah, like you remember the um, like the compilation CDs? Like, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Go ahead. and Like, I think I love you, so what am I so afraid of? I'm afraid that I'm not sure of a love there is no cure for. I heard my mom a oh, cry. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I do remember that. Start it again. Start it again. Well, let's recreate it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think I love you. New so from what K-Tel. am I so afraid of? I'm afraid Music that I'm explosion. not sure of a love there is no cure for. 22 original hits. I heard my mom cry. 22 original stars. I heard pray the night Chicago Music died. explosion. Ride, 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 hitching a ride. Music explosion <laughs> from KTEL, available now. Send $9.99 for album, $10.99 for CD or cassette. Music explosion from KTEL. <laughs> The country, okay, like that. Wow, <laughs> it's a curse. I was, I was transported back in time there. That was, that was lovely. That is such a beautiful thing. As long as it stays in your head, right? Yes, no. thanks. I'm sure that is. mine. The box of oddities.com, and you can reach us at curator at the box of oddities.com. That's what Mandy did. And Mandy uh, sent a message about the last story that I did, which was uh, the Blanche Monnier story. Creepy. I had a hard time finding certain bits of information about that. Uh, so Mandy helped fill me in. Uh, she discovered Blanche Monnier's mother. I was complaining because I could only find Madame, Madame Monnier. Yeah. And uh, her mother's name was Louise. So thank you so much, Mandy. You are a treasure. And, and you're our official Box of Oddities cub reporter 
for this episode. You keep naming people official box of oddities something or others, yeah. and it's bizarre. Uh, yeah, I think it's appropriate that we start rewarding people. It's only fair. Yeah. By the way, uh, being a cub reporter comes with nothing uh, but our love and admiration. All right, I go first. Here we go. Here we go now. I'm sorry. I'm just a little bit excited. It was 1975. It was summer in Bermuda. There were two twins that lived there. One of the twins was riding his motor scooter. It was kind of like a moped kind of thing. Sure. Unfortunately, he was struck and killed by a taxi cab. Oh, A year later, his other twin, who had taken the scooter and fixed it up, was riding the same scooter, was struck and killed by a taxi cab. No! Driven by the same driver (gasps) at the exact same place, carrying the same passenger. Oh my goodness. Now, you're probably saying, that sounds like a bunch of BS. It does. It sounds like a made-up Facebook-type story that uh, my aunt would share with me. And I'd go, listen, you need to... It's important to do research and just make sure that the things that you're sharing are true. Vet your sources. So I did. Uh, This came from the Royal Gazette in Bermuda and also Reader's Digest. Well, so there you go. That's journalism. So what we're going to talk about today is just really bizarre coincidences. Oh, cool. That's just one of them. Here now is another. This sounded so announcery. I loved it. Here now is another. And now on with the countdown. (laughs) Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for those stars. Talented. Edgar Allan Poe, of course. <gasps> I love him. We love we love us some Poe. He published a novel in nineteen or in eighteen thirty eight. It was his only novel, and uh, it was called the Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Man- of Nantucket. Partway through the book, uh, this is according to Mental Floss. Partway through the book, uh, the crew finds themselves stranded on a on a busted up boat, okay, with no food and water, just being tossed about by the ocean. The angry ocean? The angry, angry ocean. Doing some tossing as it does. Yeah. They managed to catch a tortoise and they ate that, but it was it was really hard to uh, to survive because they were out there for quite some time. So, okay. so they drew straws. Whoever got the short straw was going to be killed and eaten. Okay. All right. The uh, the guy who drew the star a straw was uh, a guy named Richard Parker who uh, was promptly stabbed to death. His hands and feet were thrown overboard. You can you can read you know read it for yourself. It was it's pretty grisly. Mm. It was kind of like the floating Donner Party, if you will. <laughs> it was the Donner Party on the high seas. <laughs> oh yeah, and then the rest of him, uh, you know, they got rescued and everything was groovy, as the youngsters say. Except for they'd eaten a friend. Yeah. About fifty years later, a yacht left England headed toward Sydney, Australia. The yacht was not really big enough to be making long trips like this, and they ran into a storm. They had a four-man crew, uh, barely escaped to uh, a lifeboat, and they certainly didn't have enough uh, food or provisions. Now, this is real life? This is real life. Yes, I'm sorry. That's okay. They were able to catch a turtle and eat it, just like the uh, their counterparts in the uh, potail. Shocking, considering uh, yeah. they're so uh, turtles are so swift. They they needed more if they were going to uh, stay alive. So no. yeah. So what happened was 
No. What happened was one of their one of their crew members fell overboard uh, and then made the mistake of drinking seawater in an attempt to, you know, quench his thirst. You can't do that. Uh, that'll kill you. So we started going downhill fast, and uh, the surviving members of the crew uh, decided that uh, they should, when he died, they should eat him. They had considered drawing straws, but they figured since this guy was already kind of on the way out. He was on his way out. Right. So they waited around for a little while, and he hung in there. And then they started worrying that, you know, he was going to get diseased. So they just, you know, hurried the process along, shall we say. They stabbed him in the neck with like a like a pen knife, and then the three men devoured him. They were rescued a few days later. The guy's name they ate? No. Richard Parker. Nuh-uh. Yes, sir. That is a dark story for a novel and also for real life. Like, there's some long-term scarring that's going to go on there. Also, not shocked that that Poe novel didn't do well. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of... Kind of rough. Yeah, he actually, uh, when asked about it in later years, Poe said it was a silly story. That's what he called it. That's silly. The whole devouring human flesh thing. It's just one of those. It's silly. You know. Do you know who Tamerlane is? Tamerlane was a merciless Central Asian warlord. His exploits were horrifying. Uh, According to The Independent, he, he was a brilliant military leader. He captured... Something like 27 thrones across Asia with his nomad armies in the latter part of the 14th century. Oh, my goodness. He created um, an empire that stretched from Delhi to Moscow. The trouble is, he was also a horrible, horrible man. He was sadistic and cruel. He regularly, when he would uh, take over a particular city, Uh he would just murder everybody in it. And then cut their heads off and pile them up into a pyramid. Oh, just a just a fun little pile. Yeah, just the thing that brightened up the uh, the, the kids' eyes with childlike wonder. Uh, he reportedly left something like seventeen million people dead. Whoa! In the wake of his forty-year uh, trail of destruction. All right, press the fast-forward button on your timeline to nineteen forty-one. Okay, it's nineteen forty-one. Tamerlane's body was exhumed by a Soviet scientist. Now, on the tomb itself. There was an inscription that said, when I rise from the dead, the world shall tremble. Oh. So anyway, he dug him up regardless, and um, he opened up the tomb. And in the tomb, there was another inscription. It said, whomsoever opens my tomb shall unleash an invader more terrible than I. Two days later, despite having signed the German-Soviet Non-Aggression Act, Adolf Hitler and his Nazi troops invaded the Soviet Union. What? That is nuts. I'm really impressed with your coincidence findings. Here's one that's really weird. From NBC News, Sutomo Yamaguchi was in Hiroshima on a business trip for a shipbuilding company August 6, 1945, when... The U.S. flew over the city, the B-29s, and dropped the atomic bomb. Right. He suffered serious burns to his upper body. Mm. Uh, He spent the night in the city, though. Then he returned to his hometown of Nagasaki, 190 miles to the southwest. Oh, no. And the U.S. bombers came in three days later and bombed again. Oh, no. He survived not one, but two atomic blasts within a three-day period. That's insane. Not only did Mr. Yamaguchi survive both of the atomic bombs, but he went on to live for many, 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 many years. In fact, uh, in 2009, 
uh, he he did a um, an interview with a newspaper and he said, my double radiation exposure is now an official government record. It can tell the younger generation the horrifying history of the atomic bombings even after I die. Well, that's a very optimistic and wonderful way of looking at having been bombed. He, uh, he spent the last years of his life touring, giving lectures, and talking about how he hoped such weapons would be abolished. Oh, I hope so too, bud. Indeed. Now I'm going to end with this one. The Abraham Lincoln, John F. Kennedy coincidences. Oh my God. I'm obsessed with this. All right, here we go. This is the list. I'm just going to ramble through these Do quickly. It. Do it. Uh, this is, you can you can find this uh, anywhere online, but I'm, I'm, I'm citing Wikipedia. Try to ignore me freaking out over here because this is amazing. Both presidents were elected to the House of Representatives in, in uh, 46. Lincoln, of course, 1846. Kennedy, 1946. Both presidents were non-Masons. And both successors were Masons, which was a big controversial thing. People saying, oh, the Masons, the Illuminati, the, you know, mm-hmm. New World Order. Right. Um, both were losing candidates for their party's vice presidential nomination in the year 56. Both presidents were elected to the presidency in 60. Uh, both died after being shot in the head. Both of their vice presidents and successors were Southern Democrats named Johnson. Andrew Johnson and Lyndon B. Johnson. Both were born in 08. Both presidents were concerned with issues affecting black Americans and made their uh, made their views strongly known in 63. Of course, Lincoln with the Emancipation Proclamation and Kennedy with, uh, with the uh, Civil Rights Address. Both presidents and their successors conferred with a nationally known black leader about civil rights. Lincoln uh, and Andrew Johnson conferred with Frederick Douglass, of course. Mm -hmm. And both Kennedy and Johnson, Lyndon Johnson, conferred with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Lincoln was a captain on a riverboat. Kennedy was a captain on a PTO-9 in World War II. There's so much. Both presidents were shot in the head on a Friday, seated beside their wives. Both Fridays preceded a major holiday observed within the week. Both presidents were accompanied by another couple. When it happened, the male companion of the other couple was wounded by the assassin. Both presidents fathered four children and had a son die during pregnancy. Both presidents only had one child survive into the next century. Both presidents' wives died in their 60s after uh, an untimely decline in health. Lincoln was shot by John Wilkes Booth at Ford Theater. Kennedy was shot by Lee Harvey Oswald in a Lincoln automobile made by Ford. Both presidents' last names have seven letters. Both assassins' full names have 15 letters. Both assassins committed their crime in the building where they were employed. After shooting Lincoln, Booth ran from a theater to a warehouse. After shooting Kennedy, Oswald ran from a warehouse to a theater. Both assassins died in the same month as their victim in a state adjacent to the state of their birth. Both assassins were southern white males born in the late 30s. Both assassins were killed before being tried by men who were uh, reared in the North, changed their names as adults, and were bachelors. Okay, <laughs> that doesn't that's, make any sense. That's just weird. <laughs> Both assassins suffered injuries during the escape. Both assassins fled using modes of transportation they did not own. Booth rented a horse. Oswald rode a bus. Both presidents had bodyguards named William. William H. Cook told Lincoln not to go to the theater. William Greer drove JFK to the assassination point. Both bodyguards named William died within 48 hours of being aged 75 years. Wow. Lincoln sat in box number seven at Ford's Theater. Kennedy sat in car number seven in the motorcade. What does it mean? 
The doctors who primarily attended to each president were both named Charles. Dr. Charles Leal treated Lincoln. Dr. Charles Crenshaw treated Kennedy. Each president died in a place with the initials P.H. Lincoln died in the Peterson House, Kennedy, in Parkland Hospital. President Kennedy had a, had a secretary named Mrs. Lincoln. President Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy. Nuh-uh. Well, that is the one thing that I just said that's not verifiable. Everything else is true. They have not been able to verify that Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy. So oh. many of the other things are true. I believe it. And finally, both assassins were, uh, were shot and killed by one bullet fired out of a Colt revolver. One fatal shot. That's insane. It's so much. And I like we talked about in, in a previous episode, when you're looking for things, it's I'm sure it's easier to find them. Like, yeah, yeah. But yeah. This, that's a lot. I And I skipped 50% yeah. of them. I mean, I just, there was so much that, right. uh, and, and, and quite honestly, a lot of it's like, okay, well, they were both elected in the year 60, you know. There's an election every four years, so. Right. But a lot of it is just really, really fascinating. I have no idea what it all means, but uh, who cares if it means anything? It's just <laughs> fun. That's I keep thinking like, okay, so what could maybe they're they're into the portal portals in the time? I don't know. That was well put. Thank you. This is the box of oddities. Your mileage may vary. All right, let's do the thing in the middle. This is a fun one that you found, and I'm a little curious about how you might have come across it. <laughs> Bizarre niche dating sites. Is it niche or niche? Niche or niche. Niche or niche. Niche. You can say... Niche sounds like a delicious pastry. Niche sounds like the daughter of a brother who has a lisp. <laughs> <laughs> that's a stretch. Yeah, that's right. <sighs> anyway... Strange and interesting niche or niche dating sites, if you will. Number five, Dead Meat is a dating site for grave diggers, morticians, funeral directors, forensic investigators, and autopsy specialists. Anyone who works with death. Yes, even taxidermists. It's a beautiful thing. It was it was started by mortician Carla Valentine, which is a great name for a mortician. Absolutely. <clears throat> and a person who works for a dating site. Taxidermy. It's love that lasts forever. <laughs> um, clown dating. Everybody loves a clown. Let a clown love you. It's genuinely the site's motto. Yeah, your date pulls up to the driveway. He opens the car door, trips over his big shoes, and decides to just notify you he's there by honking his bulb horn. <laughs> Meet an inmate. Everyone knows the best thing about long-distance relationships is getting to write letters that a government official will probably open and censor. All right, I, I have some genuine things to say about this. Probably it should be saved for a later episode, but... <laughs> okay, okay. It, it's not... Love yourselves. That's all I'm saying. It's just <laughs> stop that. Number two, Brony Mate. Brony Mate brings together bronies and Pegasus sisters in the hopes that they might find bond over their shared passion of My Little Pony. I watched a, doc a documentary on that, and um, those people are passionate, and I'm not going to be critical of them at all because everyone's welcome here. Well, the thing about bronies in general that I wonder is. 
how come My Little Pony and not Care Bears or a Strawberry Shortcake? Like, where is the Strawberry Shortcake lover's dating site? Well, that's that's an excellent point. Uh, the thing that I picked up from, from the documentary that I watched about uh, bronies mm-hmm. is the feeling of acceptance and... Um, friendship and the lessons that are taught within the stories of My Little Pony. Shortcake has lessons. Give her a chance. And the number one weird, somewhat bizarre dating site, Diaper Mates. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a dating site for adults who like to wear diapers. Like astronauts? Sure. <laughs> Alright, well whatever floats your boat. I ain't here to judge. It's a it's a dating site for those whose Hearts and diapers are both full. full. Yeah, <laughs> I knew exactly where you were oh, going with that. Get out of my head. The box of oddities with Cat and Jethro Gilligan Toth. Theboxofoddities.com. Uh, you can find the link to all of our merch there. And uh, we just rolled out uh, the Freak Flag line, which is pretty exciting. I really do love it. So if you're so inclined, check it out. Girl. I've been watching you. Oh, nice. A little Gregory Abbott, circa 1986. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> what do you got for me? My shirt smells. Okay. Woo! That's a very share moment that we just had there. <laughs> the scene's sound direction says, Man gets bit by an alligator and he screams. The film's producer called in a voice actor, and so was born the Wilhelm scream. You were telling me about this about a year or so ago. All right, refresh my memory. Okay, so the Wilhelm scream. I actually was just talking about this with my nephew um, and his wife, Jake and Jess, and uh, they were unfamiliar with it. And I was like, ah, so this is a great... A great opportunity to to revisit the Wilhelm scream. So the Wilhelm scream is a stock sound effect of a man screaming. Um, that has been used in over 382 movies. You've heard it and you don't even know it. Beginning in 1951 for the film Distant Drums, the scream is often used with someone uh, is shot, falls from a great height, or is thrown from an explosion. Though there's no conclusive proof of who recorded the scream, several people contend that it was most likely the work of a musician named Sheb Woolley, who is best known for Purple People Eater, and he had other songs, from like novelty songs. Shut up, Queen. Oh. Is that right? So, uh, written paperwork from Warner Brothers' distant drum recording session list, Woolley, as a performer on that day, and in a later interview, his wife... Uh, had talked about this scream. So the Wilhelm scream originates from a series of sound effects recorded for the 1951 movie Distant Drums. And in a scene from the film, soldiers are wading through a swamp in the Everglades and one of them's bitten and dragged underwater by an alligator. Mm -hmm. So the scream for that scene was recorded later in a single take, as they so often were, especially for Westerns. The sound's not great. And there's so much that was done afterwards. Um, So there were five screams recorded, which was labeled man getting bit by an alligator and he screamed. (laughs) The fifth scream was used for the soldier in the alligator scene, but the fourth, fifth and sixth screams recorded in that session were also used earlier in that film. So the sound effect was pulled from the Hollywood sound effect library 
every once in a while, uh, but because it was used so sparingly, no one noticed, as is the case with thousands of sure. sound effects. Sure. The major breakout, though, in popular culture came from motion picture sound designer Ben Burt, who discovered the original recording, which he found as a studio reel labeled Man Being Eaten by an Alligator, <laughs> and incorporated it into a scene in Star Wars, in which Luke Skywalker shoots a stormtrooper off of a ledge, with the effect being used as the stormtrooper is falling. Hit it! See, you've heard it. You've heard it a lot. Bert is credited with naming the scream after Private Wilhelm. Um, And over the next decade, he began incorporating the effect into other films on which he worked, including most projects involving George Lucas or Steven Spielberg. So this is something that he did kind of uh, to amuse himself? In, in the early parts, I don't know. Huh. It's it's a pretty recognizable scream. Sure. And it, in the early bits, not sure. But later, definitely. Um, it was used in like all the Star Wars films, as well as the Indiana Jones movies. Other sound designers picked up on the effect and inclusion of the sound in films because um, it, it became like a tradition among sound people which i love that there's like a little community of people who do sound and like like any sort of weird side business in entertainment it's like oh we're a club and yeah actors suck (laughs) 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 and in what is perhaps an in joke within an in joke and one of the scenes of uh indiana jones and the temple of doom it actually features a man being eaten by a crocodile Ah. Accompanied by the Wilhelm scream. So that's like a 30-year callback. Right. Wilhelm scream's gradual ascension in popularity began, um, of course, the 1951. It ramped up a little till the 80s, and then it exploded and uh, was used everywhere. The effect seemed to have hit its stride between the year 2000 and 2010 before petering back off into relative disuse it, not a lot of people use it anymore and they it, it's believed it's because of the internet it was oh. an in joke and then once everyone became aware of it once you know the compilation videos were made right, and right. everyone started to really recognize it it wasn't fun for the sound guys anymore actors still suck it was kind of like uh, back in the old days, you know, when Fleetwood Mac first came out and everybody thought they were great. And then they became popular and those same people said, Fleetwood Mac sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fun anymore. There was one particular Wilhelm Scream compilation video that became really popular in 2006. It got millions of views. And so it was an inside joke. It turned into... Not not so much of an inside joke, and now it's kind of on its way out. Ben Burt said the Wilhelm scream was something that was so below the radar that the only people who noticed were the ones who knew. And um, he, you know, he was the one that found the scream after forty five years, and he kind of felt like, oh, he now, took possession of now it. Everyone knows about it. He loved and nurtured it, and now it's been stolen from him. He said, now that it's above ground. It isn't nearly as much fun to use anymore. That's great. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Sheb Woolley, his wife, 
recalled that Sheb, quote, always used to joke about how it was so great about screaming and dying all the time. (laughs) 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 Um, I guess he, you know, they never received any royalties or monies from the use of his scream. Um, It's kind of one of those things. But uh, apparently he found some joy in in that for sure. That's great. Which I'd love. To give you an idea, um, Wilhelm Scream, 1951, Distant Drums. We talked about that. Alligator, pulled under. And then it was used in 52 in a movie called Springfield Rifle. And then in 53 at the charge at Feather River. And that's the one where the character Wilhelm is shot. Wilhelm! Yeah, I'll just fill my pipe! So it's not from the first movie that oh. the character name is is used. It's just that's what people pointed to because that's the earliest they could find. I see. But now we know that it's actually from before then. Uh, 1977, Star Wars. 1978, Star Wars Holiday Special. 1979, More American Graffiti. 1980, The Empire Strikes Back. 1980, uh, The Empire Strikes Back, SPFX. Uh, the Big Brawl from 1980, Raiders of the Lost Ark from 1981. History of the World Part 1, 1981. Time Bandits, Swamp Thing, Poltergeist, Return of the Jedi, Under Fire, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, you know, I can't I can't keep no, doing this. No, no. Um, but then like as recently as 2009, Up used it as uh, the dogs fall into the river. One of them screams a Wilhelm, which is <laughs> no, funny because no. it's an animated dog <laughs> screaming a Wilhelm. Oh, that was funny. That's hilarious. Um, and then uh, Quentin Tarantino is known to use the scream quite a bit and he used it in like Inglorious Bastards and such. So I've put together a little compilation for you. And I hope that you will enjoy it. You guys gotta try this thing. I don't know why it makes me laugh so much. I love it. That is amazing. And when I hear it and I'm not looking for it, and like if I'm in the kitchen and a movie's on and I hear the Wilhelm scream, it delights me to no end. Wilhelm Scream, the fourth album from Lion to the Dying. <laughs> There's actually a band called Wilhelm Scream. Is there really? Yeah. When oh. I was looking up information on Wikipedia, it was like other articles, Wilhelm Scream, the band. That's fantastic. Theboxofoddities.com is our website. And you can email us at curator at theboxofoddities.com. We're also available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find some stuff on YouTube. Yeah, we've, we've, we don't have a lot of it on YouTube, you know, um, because... <clears throat> I figured if I said that we were on YouTube, you'd have to get to uploading. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little behind on the... sorry about that that's fine um okay so uh, and real quick i wanted to say before um we wrap things up uh, we've seen some merchandise orders go out Mm -hmm. and i we should start to see photos popping up of people wearing their box of oddities t-shirts and such in the next couple of days and i just (gasps) yes if if you did order some of the uh of the merch uh send us a picture of you using it whether you're wearing it or if it's you know a coffee mug drinking out yeah whatever just we we want to know that you're real 
Okay? We just want to know you're real people. I know that I spent more money on Box of Oddities merchandise yeah. than we will make on Box of Oddities Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, um, that's true. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just... It's I, not really a money-making venture. I was so excited that we could do throw pillows. I ordered like nine. Yeah. We have our Christmas shopping done, which is nice. Two episodes a week, so we'll see you in a couple days. Yay. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. I love you. I love them more. Liar? Okay, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those whom I report to to beseech you for assistance. The Box of Oddities is free. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True. That is, two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash BoxOfOdditiesPodcast On Twitter at BoxOfOddities And Instagram at BoxOfOdditiesPodcast Copyright 2018 All rights reserved Yeah, I'll just fill my pipe Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.